reading from 1 Samuel, the first chapter. There was a certain woman of Ramathiam, a Zuphite, <clears throat> excuse me, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Hannah, husband of Elkanah. Her husband Elkanah had another wife named Pania, who had children. Hannah had no children. Elkanah would go to the temple every year to worship and make sacrifices to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. Each year, he would offer portions to wife Penina and her children, but to Hannah, he would give a double portion because he loved her even though she had been unable to have children. Penina used to prov provoke Hannah severely to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used it to provoke Hannah. Why do you, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Chilo, Hannah rose and presented herself to the Lord. Now Eli... The priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went her way and ate drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. They rose early the next morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Rima. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for he, she said, I have asked him of the Lord. The woman remained and nursed her son until she went him. When she had went him, she took him up with her, and she said, Oh, my Lord, as you leave, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me the petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have led him to the Lord. 
as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. And they worship the Lord there together. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And I were watching The Bridge to Darabithia. You remember that book? Any of you remember reading that? It's a movie now, and Emerson was watching it with us too. And by the way, just so you know, it's got some, uh, some tough stuff to handle in the, at the end of the movie. I did not realize that was all going down. Um, and so Cindy turned to Emerson at the end of the movie as we were all crying, and she said, big feelings? And Emerson's crying. She said, Papa-sized feelings, <laughs> and she was just weeping. We we all were, and then though she started kind of processing a little bit of what was going on in the movie, and there was some God talk in the movie. There was this part of the movie where the girl, um, who is a seventh grade girl, has a friend who's a seventh grade boy, and the boy goes to church, and it's a it's a Bible believing church. It's a it's a kind of fire and brimstone kind of church, and so. She says she wants to go with them. And so she goes to church with them for the first time. Her family does not go to church. And uh, the preacher, of course, is talking about heaven and hell. And if you're not going to church, if your family doesn't go to church, you're going to hell. I mean, that's what he was talking about. And uh, so after church, on the way home, they're in the pickup talking in the back. This is an older movie. They're hanging out in the back of the pickup and, and the the girl says, you know, I don't believe God's going to send me to hell just because my family doesn't go to church. I, she said, I, I just believe God loves so much. Look, God is taking care of all of creation. God, God loves everybody, and God loves me too. And the boy said, and the boy really likes this girl, and he says, yeah, but the Bible tells us no. Um, so anyway, Emerson is processing this, right? And so... The girl, at the end of the movie, dies. Um, so obvious it's weighing on her heart. And so she says, Papa, Papa, um, that's not the way it is, right? God's not going to send that girl to hell. Um, God doesn't send people to hell. Um, God loves everybody, right? Even slugs, you told me. God loves even slugs. And I said, you're right, Emerson. You're right. Uh, we, we have some tradition sometimes that we have to work through and sort, right? We have an ancient story in this Old Testament story. We have a belief, the people of this time in the Old Testament believed that God shut the womb of a woman and the reason they couldn't have children was because of God. God did that. We don't believe that now, right? We have a different understanding, don't we? I mean, we have a different understanding. God does not shut wombs. God is trying with all of God's heart to, to open life and every opportunity for all of us, right? In fact, we have someone in our own church who works, uh, Megan Palazzola. She works with a medical team trying to help um, ch uh, families who can't have children bear a child. And I believe with all my heart, and I hope you do too, that God is working with them. To, to do that, right? God is opening the, opening the door, not closing it. And so this ancient story, we have some struggles about that understanding of God. But I just want you to know, that's not my belief. And I hope it's not ours. We believe in a God that is opening doors for us. 
So um, as we struggle with that a little bit, there are parts of this passage that are just so beautiful, though, that we need to consider. And that's one of the reasons why I brought it out, um, um, is that Hannah, when you don't get what you want, when you're disappointed, when the plans that you have for your life don't work out. How many of you have had plans that haven't worked out in your life? I, I would venture to say it's quite a few of us. When we're disappointed, right? We get disappointed like Hannah does. I mean, that's one of the great parts of the story. It's such a human interest story. It just tells us how we feel sometimes, right? So sometimes when we get disappointed, the worst part of it is people don't understand us. We just feel so misunderstood. Someone, we lose a, a, a little baby and people come up to us and tell us some really stupid stuff, right? We just, we don't get grief. We don't understand it. I might even say, oh gosh, it's been a couple of years. Get on with it. Come on, get living again. That's not how a grief works, right? I mean, we, when we study it, we know that. But people say, some unkind things sometimes because we do not get what people are going through sometimes. And in this story, we have that happening. Here's Hannah who can't have a baby. And what does her husband do? He's very caring. But he also marries another wife. So she can have children for him. I mean, there's no way Hannah can't feel passed over by that move. So automatically she feels left out. She feels second fiddle. She feels passed over. And we know that feeling is my guess. And the other thing is the church, Eli, the, the, the priest doesn't get her either. What does he do? She comes to the temple and she's crying and weeping and just pouring out her heart and he thinks she's drunk. I mean, talk about a misread, right? I mean, just a total misread. But let's be honest. Sometimes when people are in pain, and their pain is acting out in different ways, we misread it too. When people struggle with alcohol and drug and, and drug abuse, they're not alcoholics and drug abuse. They have something else going on. And if we just see them as that and don't see the pain that they have, we're missing what's going on in their lives. Remember, any of you ever serve or, or deliver Meals on Wheels? Do we still have that program in the area? I think we do. But if, I would encourage you to do it. it, it is, it's a fascinating thing to, because you actually take a meal to somebody who might be what we call shut in or unable to, to get somewhere to get a meal. And so you deliver, you get to see a neighborhood. And I remember one day I was delivering Meals on Wheels in this community. And at, before I went, they said, oh, we want to warn you about this one person. <laughs> don't, whatever you do, don't go in her house. Uh, it's a mess. She's a hoarder. Um, she's not very kind. Just leave the meal at the doorstep and get out of there. And so I'm delivering meals and I go up to her house um, and it's run down a little bit and I 
place the meal at the door, and I ring the doorbell. Nobody's coming. And I notice the side door's open to her house, and I hear a little rustling, and I'm a, uh, that's just who I am. And so I go to the side door, and what do you think I do? I walked in. I said, hey, it's, uh, you know, delivery for the Meals on Wheels. And I hear a little mumbling and grumbling. And, and yes, I see the hoarding. There are stacks of magazines all the way up to the ceiling on all sides. And there's just a little corridor. And I weave through the corridor. And I get into the middle of all this junk. And there is kind of like a, just a little room where this woman is. And she's praying. And she's weeping. And I introduce myself and I give her the, the meal. And I notice just kind of hanging up on all these little stacks, big stacks, are pictures of one girl. Seems to be like a seven-year-old girl. And I see those pictures and I ask her what her name is and we start talking a little bit. And then I said, what? What are these pictures? And she tells the story of one day, about 10, year, 10 years ago, how she got up early in the morning because she had a headache and she didn't have um, medicine for it. And so she decided she was going to go to Walmart. And it was about 6.30 in the morning and she backed up and she hit something. And it was that girl. And that girl had died. And she said she tried to reach out to the neighbors with flowers, but they took them and bent them over and just threw them back on her yard. And just how terrible she felt about that. And I listened to her and felt her tears rolling down my eyes too um, for half an hour. And then the next time I went, I listened again. And the next time I went, I brought a friend to listen and we listened and listened and finally she came one time to a coffee meeting at our church and we listened again and we listened and we listened and as we listened she began to start getting out into the community again she wasn't a hoarder she had pain deep inside her soul and when we witnessed to that pain when we actually hear it, when, we, when we're heard, we, we get a chance to get out of that, right? I mean, and that's the work of the church a lot of times is to hear that pain, to be there and authentically listen to that pain. And, and we heard that in our grief workshop last week. We talked about grief and how important it is. Number one, witness to the story of pain. That's the first thing we need to do. And I do believe that God is doing that in this story. Hannah's rolling into the temple and she's sharing out her heart and she's pouring it all out. And, and you know what Samuel means, by the way? It means, I am heard. So she named her baby, I am heard. I was heard by God. Um, now, um, as we think about this story, don't we all wish that the dreams that we don't have all come true like Hannah's, that we can have a baby, <laughs> you know, that it all works out, that it's all wrapped around. Um, that'd be great if that could be the way it is, but we, we do know how world works, don't we? It doesn't always work that way, right? But I think our hope is not 
in just hearing the story that it will all, you know, all the dreams will be uh, satisfied, but maybe a new dream can come out of that pain, a, a new way of seeing the world, maybe a new baby, not a real human baby, but maybe a new dream for your life comes from that hearing. Um, as we see this story, one of the cool things that we hear at the end is Hannah takes the baby that she's been dreaming of all of her life. She takes this little boy and she gives it to the temple. She gives it to God so that God can use this little one to, to change the world. And if you read the book of Samuel, he does change the world, right? Um, and that's one way we give. We give, we, we think of all the things that we're thankful for, that we've been given and we've been blessed with, and we respond, you know, we respond. Thankfully, we, we give to the world. But I want you to think about a, maybe another way to look at this, and I think, Karen, you mentioned it. By participating in the ministries of the church, by giving ourselves to the, the ministries of the church with all that we are, we, we get a relationship. We get a new way of being. It, it's not just a gift to the world and to God, but it's a gift to us. We're changed when we participate in that river of love and we become a part of that love. We change ourselves we grow and we become so much different than we were before and so i again yes we want you to give but i want you to give in a way not just for others but for you we are at our best we are fully alive when we're giving when we're serving when we're doing something for someone else when we participate in a in a in something bigger than we are and so Whatever pain you're in, whatever disappointments you've had, whatever struggles you're living with, my belief with all my heart is part of the healing is by becoming and participating in something bigger than you are, bigger than your pain even. One of the sayings we say in grief almost all the time is, take the pain and turn it into purpose. So if you've got a pain, maybe you can take it and turn it into some purpose for the world. And by doing that, I think we all are healed. Amen?